0: Years ago, when we first moved to Indiana, back to Indiana, uh, we went to the driver's license branch to get our driver's license, and I took the test. And when I went to get my driver's license, they said, we're sorry, you can't get a driver's license in Indiana because there's a warrant out for your arrest in New Jersey. I've never been to New Jersey. <laughs> I'm like, you got to be kidding me. I've never been to New Jersey. you got to say it right, joy and they said, well, you're going to you're gonna have to get this cleared up. So I emailed the uh, licensed people in New Jersey. And um, after about three weeks, it was a case of mistaken identity. Oh, you're not that same guy. And I'm thinking, okay, you guys want everything about us when we go, and then you still mess up. But, anyways, so I did get my driver's license. And by the way, there was not a warrant out for my arrest in, um, in New Jersey but mistaken identity. When I ask you who are you, you would probably say things like, well, I'm a pastor or I'm a housewife or I'm a uh, a police officer or I'm a student or things like that. And that is what you do, right? A lot of times. I'm when I ask you who are you, what do you say? What is your identity? Because here's the thing, everybody in this room has an identity. Your identity defines you. For example, right now I'm doing some classes at Allison Transmission. So I have to get clearance to to go to Allison. So I, I get an email uh, that I'm to print off and have with me. Then when I walk into Allison, I have to watch well, I've already watched the video. You have to watch a video every year. I've already done that. But I have to go to the computer and put in who I am and you know classified material no taking pictures no all that stuff you have to go through that and then at the end it prints out a visitor badge then I take my visitor badge to the receptionist and she says I need to see your ID so then I have to pull out my driver's license and show it to her so I have to do that every time I go into Allison transmission to teach classes because they want to make sure I am who I said I am because I can lie on that computer so I have to pull out my identification now as I was thinking about this whole thing about ID I asked myself who gives us our ID who gives you your identity and when you think about it you don't give yourself your identity but somebody and or something in authority gives you your identity for example ultimately your identity comes from God he's the one that gives us our fingerprints Our unique heartbeats, our gender, ultimately we would say that comes from God. He gives us that initial identity. When you're born, who gives you your name? Your parents, right? They have authority over you. Some of you wish your parents gave you a different name, uh, maybe or not. Uh, But your parents are in authority over you, so they give you your name. Then the government says, okay, we're going to give you a number called your social security number. So, the ones who give you identity are the people who are in authority over you. They're the ones who give you identity. And identity is important, right? Because it tells. Who you are it validates who you are it enables you to get benefits like if you're collecting Social Security you had to have you show your identity when you went down there for them to say yes you are at the age you can get Social Security or if you're going to collect on a life insurance policy you have to show your identity and obviously also they have to check the coroner's certificate to see if the person passed away and they're going to give you the benefits of your life insurance package. Your identity gives you access. For example, mine gives me access because somebody in authority over me said this guy can have access here at Allison. My identity right now, while I am in this time period, gives me access to go back there. Your identity gives you access to go to a, a foreign country. Some of you all may have a passport. Mine's outdated, but I've traveled overseas. It's been a long time. But your your passport gives you identity. Uh, to do that. So, I mean, when you think about it, you and I have to have, we have to show our identity for a lot of things. In fact, you have to show your identity today to buy alcohol, to get cigarettes, to apply for food stamps, to open a bank account, to apply for welfare, to get Social Security or Medicaid, to apply for unemployment benefits or a job. To, you have to show your identity. You have to show your identity to apply for a mortgage. You have to show your identity to buy a car or rent a car. You have to show your identity to get on an airplane. Y'all been doing that when you go to the airport. You have to show your identity to get married, to purchase a gun. You have to show your identity even to adopt a pet. You have to show your identity to get a hunting license. License, a fishing license to buy a cell phone. You even have to show your identity sometimes to pick up, or most time now to get a prescription drug. You even have to show your identity to get some cold medicines. The only thing you don't have to show your identity for in some states is to vote. It's kind of interesting, isn't it? But here you go. We have to show our identity for so many things. Now I'm going to credit my friend Greg because several months ago when I was preaching, he sent me a text and challenged me to think about some things that I was saying and I appreciate that because I always want to rightly divide the word of truth and I want to always be learning and so Greg and I have met for a long time uh, over the last several months and one of the things that he was talking to me about was how do we talk about ourselves and and one of Greg's favorite sayings I'm gonna throw it up here is this identity is everything identity is everything Um, so it is. I mean, it gives you access to everything. It gives you benefits and things like that. What happens when we ignore our identity? What happens that? What what happens when we ignore the identity that somebody or something in authority gave to us? We say, I don't want that identity. What happens? Let let me give you a headline I I read this week. Here's the headline. Meet the 52-year-old father who identifies as a 6-year-old girl. This is a real guy. So this guy, 52, decided that he doesn't want to identify of what he is, the identity God has given him, man, uh, uh, the identity uh, as a father. He, and in fact, in the article, he says, I can't identify that I was married, that, that I was married, so he can't erase that. He has a wife. He has children. The state, he has a, the license certificate. But he's like, I don't want to identify as a married man anymore. I want to identify as a six-year-old girl. All right? He, he even says in the article, I can't, identif- I, can't, um, I can't deny that I have children. This 52-year-old father has children, but he wants to identify as a six-year-old girl. Here's what he said about his new way he's identified himself. Okay, Now remember, this isn't somebody in authority over him giving him this identity. This is him choosing to self-identify as a six-year-old girl. And here's what he says. He says, I've moved on with my life for now, and I've gone back to being a child. I don't want to be an adult anymore. Here is a married father, 52 years old, who says, I want, and there's a picture of him on the headline, he's dressed up like a little girl, and and everybody's just all applauding him that he now has identified as a six-year-old girl. Now, when I told you that story, what went through your mind? That guy's a little whack, right? You probably thought, that dude is mentally disturbed. He's delusional. He really needs help. You might have thought, his poor children. What do his kids think about their daddy who dresses up like a six-year-old girl? What does his poor wife think about her husband that's living and acting? I mean, she's looking for a man to, to, to you know, to be there for. Now she's got a, a man who acts like a six-year-old little girl and dresses like a six-year-old little girl. Something's wrong, right? Because here's the thing. When we misidentify ourselves, something's wrong. And we know that, alright? For example, there are people out there that impersonate police officers, right? I guess so they can get free donuts. Is that why they do that? I don't know. <laughs> we know why, because they're trying to pull people over and take advantage of them. We say, those people, that's wrong. I mean, you can, you can get arrested for that, right? There are people that impersonate military officers, you know, they go in, they try and get military discounts. And again, we arrest those types of people, again, uh, and we certainly don't look highly on them. We, we, we get upset with them in the culture, right? When we misidentify ourselves, you can get arrested, you can go to jail, all sorts of things. And when you misidentify yourself, it hurts you and it hurts people around you. I mean, again, that guy's children, that guy's wife. Police officers are hurt when people impo- are imposters of police officers, because then people are afraid to pull over because of these imposters out there. People are nervous to give military discounts because there are people out there that are claiming to be military who doesn't, who weren't in the military. When we misidentify ourselves, we hurt ourselves. We hurt our other people. When it comes to our faith. I would argue now after looking at scripture and really rethinking things that I think sometimes we misidentify ourselves as Christ followers and the implications are disasters. A lot of us misidentify ourselves and as a result we live a life of defeat. We live a life of delusionment. And the worst thing is there's a lot of people who misidentify themselves spiritually who unfortunately wind up in hell. That's the worst misidentification. If you don't believe me, Jesus, this is one of the most terrifying passages in the Bible. This isn't our main text, but I just want to show you because misidentification can be disastrous spiritually in many ways. The worst is when a person says identifies himself as a Christ follower, but they're not. Jesus said, Many will say to me, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. On that day, and we're speaking of Judgment Day, on that day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, didn't we prophesy in your name, drive out demons in your name, and do many miracles in your name, and then I will announce to them, I never knew from you, depart from me, you lawbreakers there's a lot of people unfortunately that identify themselves as christians because they grew up in the church or because they have a position in the church or oh, i know about god or i know about jesus therefore i'm a christian but they've never known jesus they've never known god they've never humbled themselves personally and said i'm a sinner i am fallen I need a Savior. Lord Jesus, I put my faith and trust in you and you alone. End of story. And there's a lot of people in the church today, unfortunately, maybe some here, the plain church. Miss, you're identifying yourself as a Christian, but you're misidentifying yourself. This week, I shared the gospel with a couple people, and, and I asked these folks. You know, is your name written in the book of life? And the answer I got was, well, I hope so. I said, no. And I shared the gospel. And then, you know, oh, yes, I'm that. Well, that makes me nervous. And I'm going to get more bold with people. Because when people say, I hope so, I'm going to say, you're not a Christian. Because if you don't know if your name's written in the book of life, you're not a believer. If you're hoping it is, well, that's nice. If you're hoping you can do enough good works, that's wonderful. But that's not going to get you there, folks. It's only by the grace of God, and it's by surrendering your life and saying, Lord, save me. I can't do this. Please deliver me from my sins. That's the only way your name is in the book of life in heaven. Not by knowing about God. I hear that all the time. Well, I, I know about God. I know about Jesus. grace. So do the demons. They're not going to heaven again it's a personal relationship with Christ and, and i just want to challenge everybody here people watching by facebook if you identify as a christian but you've ne- if you if you have not put your faith and trust in jesus christ and you're depending on him and him alone for your salvation you're not a christian you're misidentifying yourself that's harsh but it's real it's the truth and I don't, if you're a member of Warren and you're like, Jim, I've been playing church, let's talk, let's get this nailed down. You know what? The true Christ followers will applaud and be happy for you. They really will. Let go of the pride. You know, the question really isn't how do you identify yourself spiritually, the question is how does God identify you? How does God identify you? So the main text we're going to spring off of this morning is 1 John chapter 3. If you have your Bibles turn to that real quickly because John just really lays this out there. And We preached through this book several months ago. We're going to return to this passage and just springboard off. And we're going to we're going to do a little bit of a survey of Scripture this morning uh, as we start this new series, Identity. And I'm going to challenge you and I, I got a feeling some of y'all this morning your stomach muscles may get a little tight. All right, I'm going to challenge you this morning as I've been challenged, and I still find myself uh, at sometimes misidentifying myself. And so I'm going to challenge you this morning to really identify yourself as who you really are. So here's what John writes. First John chapter 3, verse 4. He says, Everyone who commits a sin, let's see, I, I think I clicked it, and there we go, there we go. Everyone who commits sin also breaks the law. Sin is the breaking of the law. You know that he, that's Jesus, was revealed so that Jesus might take away sins, and there is no sin in him. Everyone who remains in him does not sin. That's, wow. Everyone who sins has not seen him or know him little children let no one deceive you the one who does what is right is righteous just as he is righteous the one who commits sin is of the devil for the devil has sinned from the beginning the Son of God was revealed for this purpose to destroy the devil's works everyone who has been born of God does not sin because his seed remains in him he is not able to sin because he has been born of God this is how God's children are known and the devil's children are made evident Whoever does not do what is right is not of God, especially the one who does not love his brother. I'm telling you that misidentifying ourselves spiritually has huge implications, just like it does in the real world. If a person, when they file file for life insurance, if they use a younger age so they can get a lower premium when that person dies and, they get, and the life insurance company gets the death certificate from the coroner and they see the person lied about their age they will knock off the premiums that were due to the insurance company off the death benefit so that they will only get the the family will get the death benefit that was truly in line with their age in other words the family is going to pay the penalty ultimately for that person that misidentifies himself on a life insurance policy, when we misidentify ourselves spiritually, there are ramifications. Now, one ramification I just showed you. Many people say I'm a Christian and they're not, and they're going to hell. Unfortunately, and if that's your thing, right this morning, man, you need to just put your faith and trust in Christ. Let's get this over. Let's let's do this. But I'm going to say I'm going to speak the rest of this sermon to those of who you who are Christ followers. And here's the thing. If you're a Christ follower, in other words, you're like, Jim, I know my name's in the book of life. I repented of my sin. I've asked Christ to save me. I am depending upon Christ and Christ alone to, for my salvation. He's the only one. Nothing I can do will do it. I am there. I'm with you. Okay, I'm a Christ follower. Great. To the Christ followers in this room and watching on, online, I'm going to say this. I'm going to challenge us not to misidentify ourselves because misidentifying ourselves as Christ followers in many cases gives us an excuse to sin and it gives us an excuse to live in defeat when we misidentify ourselves as Christ followers, it erases the moral distinction between a true Christ follower and somebody who is a non-believer. When we misidentify ourselves as Christ follower, it minimizes the work of God in your life. When we minimize oursel- when we misidentify ourselves as as Christ followers, it makes us weak in our battle against the sinful nation Let me tell you this. Here it is. There are only two spiritual identities. You are either a saint or you are a sinner, but you are not both. Now, I just tightened up some stomach muscles right there. You are either a saint or you are a sinner, but you are not both. Now, this is really ingrained into the psyche of the church. I think of that old hymn I'm just a sinner, say by grace. Only a sinner, say by grace. This is my story, to Christ be the glory. Only a sinner, say by grace. Okay? So it's real tempting, and I do this, and I even found myself doing things. It's really tempting. I've grown up. I'm just a sinner. I'm not. I'm a saint. There's a difference. There's a difference. I'm going to challenge you. I'm challenging me. If you are a Christ follower, stop calling yourself a sinner. Now I know some of you are getting, (laughs) Hang on. Follow me along because the Bible draws a clear distinction between a saint and a sinner. The Bible makes it very clear that there are only two identities saints and there are sinners. And when we say ourselves, I'm just a sinner, I would argue that saying that opens us up to live in defeat. I can't help sinning, I'm just a sinner. I, 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 you know, and we, we just open ourselves up to defeat. Now, this, this saying probably has a lot of its root with Martin Luther. Now, I like Martin Luther on a lot of things. I don't think he's right on everything. He's, he's just a man. But Luther coined the phrase in, in Latin that said this, Simul justus et peccator, which means righteous and at the same time a sinner. Now, I understand what Luther was saying. You are righteous before God. But he needed to phrase that more biblically. Righteous at the same time may occasionally sin. Again, we just say, well, I'm just a sinner, but here's the thing. Let me make a little controversial statement. The scriptures do not define sinner as anyone who commits a sin. Let me say it again, the Bible doesn't call a person a sinner who just occasionally commits a sin. There are two clear distinctions in Scripture. There is the saints and there are the sinners. The Bible always contrasts sinners against the saints. In the Old Testament it's the ungodly, it's the wicked against the righteous. The Bible always makes a contrast. The Bible knows nothing of a righteous sinner. The Bible always makes a contrast of that. Now, we'll just, real quickly, we can't run through every, every point in the, Old, in the Old Testament and New Testament, but let me just throw out some for you and show you this. Psalm 1. How happy is the man who does not follow the advice of the wicked, or take the paths of sinners, or join a group of mockers. Now notice, you've got sinners, you've got scoffers or mockers, you've got the wicked. That's one group, and then you got happy as the man who doesn't follow that. You got two groups here in this passage. Sinners are not righteous people who occasionally sin. Sinners in Scripture are the unrighteous, the ungodly, other ways, mockers, other ways. Scripture are people who live in constant, unrepentant sin. Sinners in Scriptures are people who live in continual. Unconfessed, unrepentant sin. Verse 5. Therefore, the wicked, in the Old Testament, wicked will not survive the judgment, and sinners will not be in the community of the righteous. Notice you got two different groups. You got the community of the righteous and you've got sinners. Two separate groups in Scripture. Sinners are not going to be in heaven. Because if the sinners were in heaven, guess what? It wouldn't be heaven. Sinners won't be in heaven. Only the saints are in heaven. Verse 6: For the Lord watches over the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked leads to ruin. Paul says that you ought to be known by God, God knows the way of the righteous. The way of the wicked, that's not of God. Totally different ways. Here's a, here We'll get out of Psalms, Isaiah. Look, here's what Isaiah said. The day of the Lord is coming. That's the day when, judgment day, a cruel day when the wrath and fierce, and fierce anger to make the land desolate and destroy the sinners in it. Okay, now if you remember last week or last several months, we've been going through First and Second Thessalonians. And if you remember in First and 2 Thessalonians, Paul made it very clear that the saints, those who are saved, those who are children of God, will not endure the wrath of God. Who will endure the wrath of God? The sinners. People who are living in unrepentant sin. People who will not confess Christ. Sinners will be destroyed on the day of judgment, not the saints. Amos. All the sinners among my people who say disaster will never overtake or confront us will die by the sword. Notice he doesn't say all the sinners who are my people. He says the sinners who are among my people. So yes, in the church, are there sinners? Yes. People misidentifying themselves as Christians in this context, were there people who were not righteous in the Jewish community? Yes. But it's not the same. Two different groups. You have the sinners and you have the saints. You have the righteous, you have the unrighteous. You have the wicked, you have the saints, okay? So again, there is a difference in Scripture. Here's another one, First Samuel. He guards, God guards the steps of His faithful ones, that's the righteous, but the wicked perish in darkness. You can't be guarded by God and perish in the darkness at the same time. Two different groups. Psalm 37, real quickly, and we'll wrap up the Old Testament. He says this, The Lord, for the Lord loves justice and will not abandon his faithful ones. They are kept safe forever, but the children of the wicked will be destroyed. Saints will not endure the wrath of God, but the sinners will be destroyed. The scripture, and again, there's a lot more passages in the Old Testament, right? So that's where we've been so far. But when you read them, the scripture contrasts the wicked against the righteous. Two different groups. Two different outcomes. Two different ways that God interacts them. Again, just remind you, you are a saint or a sinner, but you're not both. You are a saint or a sinner, but not both. Let let me just continue with the New Testament. I'll throw a few up here. Here's what Jesus said. Go and learn what this means. I desire mercy and not sacrifice, for I did not come to call the righteous, but sinners. Two different groups. I came to call sinners. I didn't come to call the righteous. Here's another one. Paul says, Romans 5, 8. But God proves his own love towards us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Now he's talking to believers, but what is he talking to them about? Past tense. While you were still in your sin, while you were still living that unrepentant life, Christ died for you. First Peter. And if a righteous person is saved with difficulty, what will become of the ungodly and the sinner? Two different groups. Let me just sum this up. The word sinner in Scripture, or ungodly, or unrighteous, is not used in the sense of one who commits sin occasionally, but rather of one who practices and lives in unrepentant sin. Two different groups. The theological dictionary of the New Testament says this: the sinner is the man who does not allow. The sinner is the man who, or woman who, does not allow God's supreme authority over his life or her life, and who withholds from God total dedication and obedience. That's the sinner. So let's go back to our text. Everyone who commits sin is breaking is also breaks the law sin is breaking of the law now everybody still sins okay if you're a Christ follower I still sin on occasion but there's a difference between sinning and living in unrepentant sin I still sin sometimes you know I let my mind go where it shouldn't sometimes I say something I shouldn't have said I still sin I'm not perfect nobody is only Jesus was but i don't live in unrepentant sin you all see the difference here here's what john says you know that jesus was revealed so that he might take away sins and there is no sin in him and here's the important part everyone who remains in him does not sin now that word remains in the literal in the greek language literally means everyone who keeps on remaining in him he keeps on walking in christ does not sin and that word sin there is in a present active indicative tense in other words he's not talking about occasional sin here because we do occasionally sin. he's talking about people who who if you remain in Christ if you're living in Christ if you're walking with Christ if you're letting him to live through you you're not going to be out living in unrepentant sin you're not going to be living a life where you're constantly out practicing sin. Here's kind of an amplified way of saying it. Everyone who keeps on remaining in Christ doesn't keep on living in sin. Everyone who keeps on living in sin has not seen Christ or know him. See, a person, this is where if you're saying, oh, I'm a Christian, but you live in unrepentant sin and there's no conviction in your life and there's no humbling in your life and there's no repentance in your life, you're not a Christian. You're just misidentifying yourself. You're wanting to say you're a saint but really you're a sinner. Everybody kind of following me? I'm trying to make sure we're tracking here. All right, because This is a fine line of distinction but it makes a lot of difference. Verse 7, Little children, let no one deceive you. The one who does what is right is righteous. In other words, the one who keeps on, the one who lives for God, the one who desires him to live through us, who keeps on doing righteous, he is righteous just as God is righteous just as Christ. So again, notice the contrast. In the verse before, the person who who lives in sin keeps on rebelling against God versus the person in verse 7 who keeps on doing righteous. There's two different people here going on, two different things. You are a sinner or you are a saint, but you're not both. You You are a saint who may sin occasionally, but you're not a saint who lives in sin. You can't be. Verse 8, the one who commits sin, again the one who keeps on committing sin, keeps living in habitual sin, is of the devil. It's literally what that word is in the original language. The one who keeps on living in sin is literally of the devil. Why? Because the devil has been sinning from the beginning. Satan is the originator of sin. He sinned from the beginning. He, he's been doing this and the person that just follows Satan's path, yep, yeah, you're, you're, you're of the devil. Last part, the Son of God was revealed for this purpose, to destroy the devil's work. Jesus didn't die. Let me just make this point clear. Jesus didn't die so we could continue to live in sin. Paul talks about that in Romans 6. He didn't die so we can keep on living in sin. If you have truly met Christ face to face in your heart and responded and repented of your sin, you won't want to live in sin. Why would you trample on the cross of Christ? Why would you trample on the one who saved you? John says everyone who's been born of God does not live in sin, does not sin. It's not a habitual practice for them. Because God's seed remains in them. He is not able to to sin. In other words again, he's not able to live in habitual sin because he has been born of God. You are either a saint or sinner. And Paul goes on, he says, John goes on, he says, This is how God's children and the devil's children are made evident. Again, nowhere in the scripture do we see anybody identified as a righteous sinner we don't see that in Scripture you're either a sinner or you're righteous you're either a sinner or you're a saint Jesus distinguished between it here's what he said he said in Luke he said I have not come to call the righteous but sinners to repentance so here's my challenge and and I I'm working through this okay because I've always grown up I'm just a sinner remember Identity is everything, right? So if you keep misidentifying yourself, you're just setting yourself up for failure if you're a saint. So, my challenge to Christ followers if you're like, I know I'm his, I know he's my savior, stop calling yourself a sinner. Refer to yourself as a saint. All right? Call yourself a saint. There is power in how you identify yourself. There is, right? I mean you know you know you have clearance to go in series there's power in that I got clearance alright you walk onto a scene maybe you're a military officer the generals here there's power in that the generals here there is power in saying I'm a saint I'm not a sinner I don't live in habitual sin do I sin sometimes yes but I don't that's not my lifestyle Y'all get the distinction? You're either a sinner or a saint. Yes, you used to be a sinner, but if you've received Christ, you're now a saint. And in fact, when, when, you, when you look at that, when you look at Paul's letters, you know how he identifies the believers? Saints. He never says to the sinners at the church in Ephesus. He says to the saints who are at the church of Ephesus. He he never he never does, he never calls any s- Christ follower is sinner. He refers to them as saints. So again, when a Christ follower says, well, I'm just a sinner, you know what? You're you're identifying yourself wrongly, and what you're doing is setting yourself up for failure. Well, I just can't stand against that sin. I'm just a sinner. No, you're not. You're a saint. You can say no. You have the power of the Holy Spirit in you. Who are you? Are you a sinner who just can't help it? Or are you a saint indwelt by the Holy Spirit? Identity is everything. Right? Because your identity gets you access to the benefits that are due to you. You can collect on Social Security. You can collect on that life insurance policy. You can collect on unemployment, medical costs. It opens up doors for success. It gives you that top-level security. Identity gets you benefits. It gets you access. It gives you power. It gives you confidence. It gives you boldness. And how you identify yourself as a Christ follower, as a, in spiritual terms, means how are you going to respond to those things? If you identify yourself as a saint, if you truly are, I'll give you power, boldness, confidence, hope, and strength when you go into battle. Because remember, we're all soldiers, right? If you're a Christ follower, we're, this is a spiritual battle, folks. Okay, We are in a spiritual war, our war is not against people, it's, against flesh and, it's not against flesh and blood, but against spiritual principalities and powers in high places. That's the war going on. And if we, as soldiers of Christ, if you're a Christ follower, are walking around and saying, oh, I just can't help it, I'm just a sinner, you're not going to win. But if you walk into the war and say, I'm a saint, and dwelt by the Holy Spirit, empowered by God, chosen by Him, elect by God, I'm a saint, there's power in that. Statement. So my challenge to you is stop calling yourself a sinner. You used to be, but you're not anymore. But call yourself a saint. Try it this week. Try it. My question to you is: how are you going to identify yourself? Watch your spiritual identity. Now, maybe you're here this morning and you're like, I don't know if I'm going to heaven or not. I don't know. Jim, then let's meet right after service. Let's talk. Let's let's get this settled. All right, because if, if you're turning inside about, I don't know where I'm going spiritually, that's the Holy Spirit saying, hey, dude, hey, lady, wake up. You're on a dead end road. Let's deal with it. If you know, you know, you know, you're a Christian, if Christ follower, then stop calling yourself a sinner. Identify yourself as what you are a saint. And next week we'll unpack more about what a saint is in Scripture. All right? Identity is everything. Let's pray. Father, thank you for sending Jesus to die on the cross for our sins. For those of us who are Christ followers, help us this week and for the rest of our lives not to go around calling ourselves just a sinner because we're not. We're saints. Help us to identify ourselves correctly so that we go into spiritual warfare. We go in with boldness, confidence, strength, power all those things that are given to us when we identify ourselves correctly Lord. there may be some today that have been misidentifying themselves as Christians but they've never had that encounter with you I pray that today maybe right now in their chair they'll say to God I repent of my sins I want Jesus to save me save me from my sins I'm putting my faith and trust in you alone that's it End the story you're my Savior Lord I pray maybe there's some right now or watching on the internet to see to do that first step and move from being a sinner to a saint Lord I pray for boldness as we fight the spiritual warfare I pray that we will not misidentify ourselves because identity is everything